this is right when like the Cardinals have like Joe Kelly, Shelby Miller, Carlos Martinez. Um, I mean, we played, we went to Little Rock. I mean, the crop of pitchers in that in that league when I first got there, I'll tell you what, I'm like, if this is double A pitching, like I got no chance. Like I swear there is a month where that is the absolute thought process. All right, welcome into another episode of Baseball Americas from Phenom to the Farm. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Today, we're talking to Tyler Ladendorf, former big league utility man and a second rounder of the Twins in the 08 draft after two monster seasons at Howard Junior College. Talking to Tyler, we got to dive into a few things that we don't often get to on this show, Illinois high school baseball and junior college ball. He talks about his time at Juco Powered in tiny Big Spring, Texas, and his freshman year as a Yankees draft and follow in the last year that that was a rule. We go into his professional career, and while being a second-round pick, he wasn't on the fast track. We talk spending three years at AA and the adjustments that Tyler needed to make it to the big leagues. He also talks about his big league time and a rookie year spent mainly as a defensive replacement and how to prepare for that on a day-in, day-out basis, as well as working with Ron Washington before the games, which I got to tell you is a real treat for anyone who knows anything about Ron Washington. Uh, And we also talk about his upcoming career as a hitting fellow with the Cubs. Tyler was a wealth of experience and knowledge. Really enjoyed having him on. Episodes of Phenom to the Farm drop every other Tuesday. If you enjoyed this one, subscribe wherever you get your podcast and go check out past interviews. We're over 70 now. And if you haven't yet, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Quick programming note, we will likely not have an episode the Tuesday following Christmas, so it will be a three-week break from this one. Also, make sure you subscribe to BaseballAmerica.com and the BA Podcast feed for all amateur baseball and prospect news. BA is rolling out top 10 lists. And go check out J.J. Cooper's Pride. Enjoy the Rule 5 recap. Uh, Always great Rule 5 coverage over at BA. And with that, let's talk to Tyler Layton. All right, joining in for today's episode from Phenom to the Farm, he was a second-round pick of the Minnesota Twins in the 08 draft out of Howard College, former big leaguer Tyler Ladendorf. Tyler, thank you so much for joining the show. I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. Of course. Uh, before we get into your career, your you know from from amateur ball up to the big leagues, let's talk about the the now. Um, I I connected with you because I saw you just been hired onto the Cubs staff as a, a they created a role for you, a hitting fellow. Walk me through what is what does a hitting fellow do? What do you you know what are you looking to do in the next year? Um, I mean, I honestly the the title, the uh, the description, you know what I mean. I'm still, I guess, kind of trying to to figure out exactly what it. Will, will entail but um I, I honestly just am looking forward to getting down there um seeing you know people that I've you know been around um and and obviously meeting you know the new faces and whatnot and just you know helping whatever way I can I think the idea that I won't necessarily be you know kind of tied down to to one team um and only be able to kind of work with you know a group of 12 or 15 hitters um will just allow me to kind of just just be out there and, and be available for for coaches um for players um and just you know get help guys get better awesome well wishing you the best of luck in that let's let's dive back into to your story your career uh when did you first realize that you had a chance at the next level whether that be high school or, or college or, or pro ball probably my sophomore year of high school we uh when i went to Maine west uh, my sophomore year we um felt like a game shy of going to the state tournament um i was only a sophomore at the time but our, our team was pretty good um and you know at the time you know you're just you're happy to be a part of a good team uh but looking back i think being a sophomore leading off on on a potential state championship team um probably that i would say that 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 year the the spring of yeah would have been oh four what was probably what what put me on the map and kind of made me realize just with 
different conversations from different people that, uh, that it, it could potentially, you know, kind of come to fruition. And being that uh, Chicago area high school, Illinois baseball, how many how many bees are you getting a year? Uh, we we talked before we started recording and when we were connecting about you know you live in live in Charlotte now partly because of the weather. How much baseball are you going to play year in year out? Um, I mean, geez, you you're you're really not going to have a chance to practice outside. Um, it's usually kind of a deal where the, when the snow thaws and the fields dry enough, you're you're kind of rolling in the games. Um, it's going to be cold. Um, someone might get cut short. Because of the because of uh, just darkness, um, obviously we didn't have lights, um, so no, a, a lot of just kind of different challenges. But um, I think that also helped me just at a young age get kind of just be delicate with how you prepare. You know what I mean? The, the little things. Um, so yeah, no, it was a lot of just in the cage, um, smaller buildings. Now some of these indoor facilities up there are are, are massive and, and elite uh, with just the training progression. So. Um, yeah, no, it was a little bit tough at times, but I was fortunate to have a good coach and Chris Adante. Um, looking back, uh, just some of the stuff that that he was kind of um, preaching uh, undoubtedly helped a growth in like that probably 12 to 14, 15 time span that that I think that would win. You, you could put the put kind of the the dot on that probably time period was when it was the development came to where, yeah, no, pro ball was, was going to be a potential. Something else you had and everything I've read about, you had a, a very dedicated mom who was a softball player. So you grew up on, on the fields. Can you can you make it to the next level without a dedicated parent like that? Um, No, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, You know, obviously my dad was never in my life. Um, it was always me, my mom, my grandma. But um, yeah, no, her love for softball uh, had to have um, just kind of instilled something in me at a young age with, without even realizing it. Um, or her going out of her way to do it. You know what I mean? That's just something that's just observed. Um, and, you know, being a father now with two, uh, my daughter's six and my, my son will be five soon. So it's um, looking back, seeing how much they observe, you know what I mean? I can only imagine how much that just, yeah, watching her go about it undoubtedly kind of just put that in me at a young age. So something something else I read about how something she helped you with is you, you suffered a significant shoulder injury in high school. And that's still the age where you think you're invincible. Like nothing, nothing can hurt you, whatever. And we hear now is, you know, with process, we hear guys will have TJ guys will tear an ACL stuff. That's kind of like, you know, you obviously don't want it to happen, but pretty good recovery rate. You have kind of an idea of what you're looking at. You suffer this, this pretty dramatic shoulder injury with suffering that at that age and going through that and getting on the other side of that, I guess how did that how did that mentally impact you at the time? But did, do you think did that help you as an adult dealing with inj- injuries? Because a lot of guys get to the next level or get to pro ball, and then that's when they get that first nick in the armor. Yeah, no, um, just the mental development. Um, it, it'd probably be tough to put a price tag on it. Because um, yeah, no, I mean before my 16th birthday, you know, I was in a sling, and um, you're right. Like at the time, Tommy John was still kind of. It wasn't what it is now, I feel like, as far as just the, the recovery rate being so successful and guys, essentially, some of them coming back better and stronger. Um, no, the, the people in the doctors at the time told me, like, hey, like, if you were a pitcher, like, this this, this undoubtedly probably would have ended your career, you know, before my 16th birthday. So um, when I tell you I had to relearn how to throw, um, that I, I did. I, I had to relearn how to throw. And it was, uh, it, it's funny, like, looking back, it just kind of, like, 
like I said, made me get that much more delicate, as I said earlier, which is how I was going to start preparing from, from, from then on. Um, with, with everything I did, I was fortunate to be around some good doctors, some good uh, just physical therapists and stuff. Um, a, uh, a random gym coach, um, his name's Kirk Disrude, had a shoulder surgery, uh, tore his labrum, and he was this yoked wrestling coach. And I was like, hey, like, I want to know who did yours, and I want to go to those guys, and I did. And, I mean, the rest has kind of been history. Um, it probably took me almost till I got down to Howard to really feel like I got back to 100%, I think, getting in the warm weather and, and just being able to get outside and really stretch it out and stuff like that. Because you got to think, that injury and then – barely a year post post-op um to be outside in the cold playing like that was not helping anybody my senior year of high school and you know it's it's, it's funny looking at the video of how I used to throw it was just like the definition of just being tight and short short arming it um so no I and that's you know it, it was it changed the mindset you know in in a lot of different ways um but no I think all for the better without a doubt with that, it you have that injury too during, I guess, that crucial recruiting time. Time to get noticed, time to, to figure out what you're doing next. You're getting draft attention. You're trying to figure out college. You've got this bum shoulder. How did, how did you go about navigating that? And what, what brings you down to Big Spring, Texas? Yeah, no, I mean, I think right after the shoulder surgery, um, I definitely just kind of let my grades slip. So it was kind of more of a deal where by the time like it was my junior year, um, I was, I, I kind of knew I was going to go to a junior college and there was just a, uh, it was random. Um, it was, it was kind of a deal where a pitching coach who's at Howard at the time, here's, here's about me. Doesn't even necessarily see me play, just kind of hears about me. And, and, uh, next thing I know, um, I, I, I fly down there to, to Midland and then go to big spring, um, just because I'm like, yeah, like I, I would the idea of coming in the warm weather. And I was like, as soon as I got outside, like this isn't like February. So it's really cold back home. And, and, and I'm like, no, like this, this is what I need to be at least practicing in year round. And, and you flew from like what, like O'Hare or something? Yeah, O'Hare in February. I got there right into Midland, which is a tiny airport. No, it was when I tell you it was. I was so enamored with like just like a nice field. Um, a, a locker room, um, covered cages. Like, yeah, I think where I'm, where I'm coming from, you know what I mean? Uh, some of these high school facilities now, you know, you're down in San Antonio, uh, you know, Dallas, like so, some of these facilities that some of the, my teammates are coming from are actually potentially better than what they were coming into. So it was a different dynamic of like, like, not like, Hey, we made it, but Hey, this is a place that I could see myself for the next two years. And, and, and honestly, by the end of the visit, I, I basically, you know, basically said, Hey, I'm, I'm what they call a verbal commit. I don't know what the kids call it these days. Um, but like, yeah, no, I was like, you know, I, I think I'm going to come here and, um, yeah, no, I ended up going on a visit to San Jack, um, like two weeks later. Uh, and it just financially, it wasn't honestly going to work out. Um, had it, had it been a little bit different of a setup, um, I potentially would have gone to San Jack, but, uh, you know, I think I, w I wouldn't trade those years in at Howard for, for anything. With the 06 draft, you get popped in the 34th round by the Yankees. And back then, I think that was the last year of draft and follow. Yeah. Does that 
what were those conversations like with the Yankees? Was it was it a serious consideration for you? And then does the draft and follow thing hang over your head all year? Like how, from the player perspective, how does that work out for you? It makes a lot of sense for the teams. They get an extra year to see how you develop in junior college. How does that, how does that mentally hang over you? Um, yeah, no, it, it, the, the talks definitely got serious. Um, they came with, with some decent money. Um, and, you know, had I not been, had I been a little bit healthier um, after the 06 summer season in high school, my senior year, it would have been a little bit different. Um, but the money was undoubtedly respectable. And so that's, you know, it, it, it was tough because you got to think about, you know, me, it's just me, my mom, my grandma. Um, and so, no, there, there were, there were undoubt, undoubtedly some serious conversations, but I knew that I could just go, I, ne- I knew I needed to go down there and just get a little bit healthier. I knew my arm wasn't where it needed to be to go in the pro ball and handle a, a, a schedule every day. I knew my shoulder was not ready for that, even after my first, even after, yeah, my senior year. Um, so, yeah, no, it was uh, in, in, in the year round draft, looking back, it, it's, it, it was just kind of silly the way, the way it was set up. Um, that's probably the only word to, to kind of describe it right now. It's, I couldn't talk to any other teams. Um, and so I, I even you're limited because it's, it was just kind of a deal where I kind of knew it wasn't going to happen with the Yankees just based on conversations, like leading up to like probably in the middle of the season was when I was like, no, like I, I, I think I, I, in, you got to think this is also, I'm now, I'm finally kind of getting settled in the big spring. So just being comfortable in a good place around really good people was also playing a massive factor. Like, Hey, like I could, I, I have no problem coming back here for my sophomore year. Like not, no problem. Um, and so, yeah, no, it was, uh, but it was weird. Yeah, no, I think they had an, I can only talk to the Yankees organization for up until like two weeks before the draft. And then you're trying to squeeze all this in. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of just a very weird stretch right after the season. Um, my freshman year down at, at Howard, um, it was, I, I can see the type of situations and dynamics where it would be beneficial, but I feel, I feel like those were fewer and far between, which is I think why they ultimately got rid of it. You played a little bit of, of short season, like Appy league, some GCL. It's probably where you would have headed out. Had you signed as a 34th rounder? Um, what, you know, with hindsight being 2020, your, you know, knowledge of your game then, uh, and, and, um, you know, now, how how do you think what what do you think you got out of those years of junior college that maybe gave you a, a little more of a springboard for success than if you had signed at eighteen or you know in on the adverse thing do you think you could have handled that at at eighteen? Um, I think I could have just because you know I was an only child, um, and so after like the shoulder surgery, it was just like like I said, an immense amount of mental growth. Um, but it, it's tough to say because you got to think it's it, where you could have potentially gone. Um, I mean, the A's, their, their short season team was in Vancouver at the time. Like, I don't know that I would have been able to, you know what I mean? That, that That's a little bit different than going to Elizabethan, which is where I eventually played with, with the Twins. Um, like, the setups would be the same, but you're talking a different dynamic of just everything. And so, um, but no, I, I think I, I, it was easy 
to get that much more prepared in junior college. Um, and like I said, I was just, I was comfortable there. I, I loved the people I was around. Um, and, and it was that, that at the time that was, that was the highest price tag um, for me, for sure. I want to come back to that about where you play. Cause we don't touch on that enough in this show, like how much the city you're in matters, but with, with Juco, you get to Howard compare the, the Juco grind to the minor league grind. Cause I, I've, I've heard some stories about Juco and how much, just how much baseball you play and how much that sets up a little more for, especially the low minors. Yeah, no, I mean, um, you're going to be, you're going to get used to just, you know, staying overnight. Um, I mean, roommates, all that, uh, so just the the loss of just kind of a lot of personal space that you will probably have in the amateur, you know, up until you get to professional baseball, you know, I got to experience. Um, and just, yeah, no, it, it's, I mean, we weren't eating as good as some of these, you know, minor leaguers eat. Um, the buses weren't as nice. Uh, we did have a nice bus at our, you know, we had, we had, we, our uh, men's basketball team was, was a national power. So they, they, I realized even at that age, like they were making our lives, you know, help, help bring money in for the school and making every, every athlete's lives, you know, just a little bit better. Um, so yeah, no, it was, uh, it's comparable, but I feel like even, even the smallest cities, um, the lowest levels, which I played at, you know, I played at all of them. And so it's, it's, it's not what the junior college grind is. Cause you're talking about double headers, um, a seven and a nine, um, and so, yeah, no, to the amount of time that you have to get and stay locked in, it, it'll it'll change your mindset real quick, especially when you when you go down and, and come from Chicago, going down to the to the conference in, in West Texas that we were in with New Mexico Junior College and a bunch of other schools that top to bottom might not have been loaded, but there were dudes everywhere. Um, I mean, it, it's yeah, no, there were dudes everywhere. And uh, but, you know, that, that that was fun for me. That was the first time I got to go out there and on a daily basis, you know, face great competition, even in practice, you know what I mean? Like we, 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 we were pretty loaded too. Even my freshman year, when I got down there, um, we were just young. And so it, that, you know, you could almost put at that point, say at that point was when just the preparation aspect almost got fun for me because I knew how hard the game was about to be. So it wasn't like, like I was going out there and taking 150 swings every day, like doing the most. You know what I mean? But like I said, I just got delicate with, with how I was going to start preparing. Um, and, and uh, you know, obviously the rest was kind of history um, as far as just the numbers, you know, kind of go. Uh, so, no, I, it, was, it was. It was getting down there in a warm climate around good baseball players. And, and like I said, kid from Chicago, that'll, that'll change your mindset real quick. You mentioned you guys being loaded. So for, for folks not familiar, Howard is in Big Spring, just a tiny town, kind of middle of nowhere, Texas. There's a bunch of them your teams were, were good. Your sophomore, you go 48 and eight, you know, make a strong showing the year after you leave Howard goes 64 and one. They're arguably like the best junior college team of all time. Just fr freakish. How do you build a cult, like a winning type culture? How do you do that in junior college? Cause in junior college, you, you've got two years worth of guys, maybe three with some redshirts. There's no seniors. There's no like passing on the tradition in that way. Like how, how do you explain what the hell happened at Howard? I think, you know, it starts with good people, um, starts with really good people. Britt Smith, one of the best human beings um, of all time, honestly. He uh, he changed my life in a lot of different ways. Um, 
you got J. Bob Thomas, who's now the who's now the the head recruiting coordinator at Texas Tech. He's been there for a while. Um, obviously, they're top five, six, seven team in the country every year, loaded. Um, so no, it started with good people. Jack Giese, um, the pitching coach. It was uh, it, it started with, with with good people and, and people that wanted to wanted to win. Um, and, and it was easy for me to see that uh, as soon as I got there, and then. Yeah, no, it it was it was just kind of a deal where we all bought in. You know what I mean? We were we were frustrated with how we played as freshmen. Um, a lot of us played as freshmen, so there were some ups and downs. Um, and we, I think everybody felt like they underperformed. Like that's coming from me. You know, I had four twenty five my freshman year. I was sixty five or sixty five in stolen bases. Um, I was I wasn't hitting a lot of homers or doubles, but I was getting on base and, and running when I felt like it. You know, and so. For someone, you know, sitting lead off like that, I felt like I kind of helped set the tone. We had a, a couple other guys that that had very respectable years, but were very unsatisfied. Um, and you get you get a few a few pretty good players that you know kind of keep that feeling throughout the the summer and then the winter when we all get back together. And in the fall was 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 it was kind of a deal where hey, you know, we're, we're going to go out there and make a name for ourselves. There's too many good players here. There's too many good people. Um, we all want to win and we all want to go to the next level. And it, uh, yeah, no, I mean, we, we started out 20 and 0, swept New Mexico at home. Uh, they were the number one team in the country. Um, and you know, it was, it was kind of a deal where it was all coming to fruition. Um, we just honestly played our two worst games in the regional, you know, and then at that point, you know, it was kind of two and Q. Um, so I, I think that was, that was all, all it really was, um, we, I, I felt like we were the best team in the country all year. Um, we were pretty much second or third um, most of the year. And so, yeah, no, it was just kind of a deal where, um, yeah, J. Bob Thomas, man. I mean, his recruiting classes at Texas Tech right now are, are through the roof. Um, it's he, he was getting guys to go to a place that, like I said, some of those guys were downgrading from their high school facilities. For me, it was a serious upgrade. So, <laughs> you know, it was a different – he had to spin a little bit different than those guys, but um, yeah, no, he, he, he knows how to recruit. He knows how to, to, to talk to people. He knows how to be personal. Um, and yeah, no, I think the rest is history at that point. With you personally, your 34th rounder at high school, 34th rounder again, as a freshman in college, sophomore year, you're getting, you're getting talk around you as a top rounds guy. That that upper level of the draft, the conversation start changing. The numbers go beyond that 150, 200,000 mark. What did you notice about your game that that led to that? Did you did you feel like I am so much better than I was w- when I was a freshman? Like, what did you see? And then as you're starting to play the draft game, you know, throwing out the number, figuring out where you're going to land. How did those you know those conversations go with you? And how did you know how did you find your way to Minnesota at sixty? Because a lot of, with with the MLB draft, it's a it's got to be a a match of 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 number and and desire. Yeah, no, it was. Um... I didn't have a great fall um, my sophomore year and I kind of just went home, reset mentally um, and came down and was, was locked in um, from yeah January to May. Um, it, it, it was, uh, I think having, um, having signed with Oklahoma um, and who would, the head coach was Sonny Galloway. I don't want to get off track, but the, the recruiting coordinator at Oklahoma was Tim Tadlock, who was, who's obviously now the head coach at Texas Tech. Um, so, you know, it, it, having having a very good offer from them, um, 
you know, they paid, they, they'd offer me everything, but, but food, you know what I mean? Which position players, you know, generally don't get. And so having the next two years paid for essentially, um, what was a huge, just, I think brush your fret there. Um, and so, yeah, no, I went home, relaxed for, you know, a week or two for Christmas break and then came down and was just, you know, felt like I was going to go out there and prove something every day. Um, but yeah, no, it wouldn't have been till probably the last two weeks of the season, honestly, that I realized that, Hey, like, we're not like talking like fourth, fifth round. Um, but that was kind of when the, the conversation changed, um, honestly. Uh, and you know, it was just, I, I didn't want to pay attention to it. You know, part of me didn't want to, uh, you know, I just want to play and, and go out there and, and show what I could do every day, every game. Um, but yeah, no, being around good players too. We had some guys that put up some monster numbers, you know, behind me. So that, uh, I think, you know, is only going to, I think we, th that team was just so well put together that we all just fed off each other. It, it was, it was silly. Um, like I said, we, we just played our two worst games of the season at, at the very end. And that's, but no, I, it was, uh, it was just a lot of hard work kind of coming to fruition. Um, a lot of just faith. Um, and just that you, you've made the right decisions up until now, like just kind of go prove it, you know, relax and, and have fun and enjoy being around, you know, some good people every day. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think that's the only way you go out there and hit, you know, well over 500, you know, the numbers that I was putting up, I, that, that that's not that's not you don't write that down on any goal sheet like you know what I mean it was that's just a deal where you're just kind of in, in a good position and you're going out there and, and not giving away in a bat um ever really you know I felt like I was it, it's it's funny I, I always try and get have, over the years like how, what kind of what were you telling yourself and I'm like man I don't even remember like I was just kind of having fun and so it was uh yeah, no, it it was it was a, a three or four month stretch that was was just fun to kind of just be a part of. With that, talking about those numbers, like you you hit five, you had a five forty two average through mid May in uh, that junior college season. I was curious, you just you and your game as a player, just talk talking hitting in general, and like in the the clips on YouTube, so big league upper minors clips, you keep it really simple in the box, not really a lot of movement. Um, you know, short leg kick, that, that's really it. Was it always that way? Was that by design earlier? Was that something you developed to keep it simple in the box? Yeah, no, I felt like um, it was, it was, I just kind of put a high price tag on just making sure I was going to swing at strikes. I felt like, you know, I've never really been one to strike out a whole bunch. Um, and, and so obviously the, you know, the metal bat swing um, was kind of in effect too. Uh, you can kind of move a little bit different, you know, when you have that thing in your hands um but yeah no I, I was just trying you know strong enough at, at, at a younger age um that I didn't need to do you know do a whole lot to, to hit balls hard um so yeah no it was it was just trying to get it simple and plus you know like I said coming from the pitching I was facing in high school like these these dudes were really good to me you know what I mean like everybody was and so I'm like hey like the idea of me going out there and doing anything crazy movement wise, like was kind of out of the question early. So, you know, I know they're a little combination of a, a couple of different things, but um, yeah, no, just kind of make sure I was going to see balls. Twins draft you 60th overall sign you for uh, $673,000 and you sign and went right back to work, paying back your mom and grandma. Yeah. Why? That's the, that's the one, that's the one paycheck you really get until you make it to the big leagues why why go back and do that i mean that that 
that was just kind of a deal where, you know, they were, they were the reason, you know, where the fact that that was able to kind of come to fruition, you know, obviously other than myself, you know, they're the, they're the only other two, um, or the two that were most instrumental in making it, you know, kind of all happen. And, um, you know, my mom was working two jobs at a younger age. So it was, you know, for me, it was just kind of an easy decision. Uh, there was, there, it, it wasn't, a, you know, there wasn't any number I just said, you know, but it was just, yeah, like, Hey, there's, you, you guys deserve this more as much as me. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no, I think that's, uh, that was just how I grew up. Like I said, my dad wasn't in the picture. So no, it was a, uh, it was an easy decision, you know, in my mind. You sign with the Twins. They send you out to the GCL. You said you like warm weather. Well, uh, that's that's the warmest, the warmest, the muggiest, the grossest. And for for your standards, after coming off a year hitting 540, hit 204 in that uh, in that nice entrance you put to pro baseball. What is what is the longest slump you'd been in before you went to the GCL? Jeez, it wasn't. I mean. Yeah, no, that, that, that was, that's funny. That, that was my first, I, I feel like my freshman year at junior college at Howard, um, I feel like there might've been a few stretches, but certainly nothing to that extent. Um, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a first, you know, first, a first handling the wood bat too. Um, so like, yeah, no, it was, uh, to, 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 to say that was a grind, um, every morning and then to go play at one o'clock in, in Florida, um, yeah, no, you can imagine where I was at mentally. It was it was a tough spot, uh, but it wasn't anything, you know. Like I said, I think going back to you know the shoulder surgery, it it's that kind of time alone, um, just kind of time to reflect that at least helped me practice a little bit. Um, and you're never fully prepared to go out there and struggle to that, you know, uh, to that extent. But no, I think it undoubtedly helped. Just everything not completely fall apart, so to say. At 20 years old, did you have any sense of what your your ceiling as a player was? Scouts always put, you know, they're drafting you, trying to project what you're going to be. If you're going to be a regular, if you're going to be a utility man, if you're going to be a career backup, things like that. Did you have a sense of your ceiling and your timeline to the big leagues? Or, you know, can you think that far ahead? No, no. Honestly, you're just trying to think, yeah, no, you're – at the time, rookie ball, you're just trying to you're thinking like, all right, maybe in like two years, you're gonna be in like high A, playing at, at the nice big league stadium, you know, across the street uh, or big league spring training stadium. Um, but I mean, yeah, no, it, it was it was really just hey, like who's kind of a level or two in front of me? What what are they doing? You know what I mean? Um, I would just kind of pay attention to other guys and whether they moved up slow or fast. And you're not even talking about my position, but just every position, like. What are what are certain guys doing differently that are, you know, moving up quicker? And, you know, like I said, I just at a young age I tried to pay attention even just to what other guys that were in front of me, what they were doing, you know. Um, but yeah, no, never especially early, um, never more than like a level or two ahead, because you, you do, you kind of see how many guys are in front of you, the landscape, all that. Um, so yeah, no, you're just yeah, you're just trying to get better and kind of just handle your own at that point. With that, you do two levels, your, your first full professional season in 09. You do 17 games in the Appy League. You tear it up, you hit 400, you're in low A pretty quickly, and then over, of course, two teens, which we'll get into. 
But is there is there a big difference in, in that jump? Because the the numbers say there are, but it also is a small sample size. It's just fifty games, fifty games in low A versus seventeen games in the Appy League. Like in that first full season, what were there any unexpected challenges that that caused you to not, you know, obviously not going to repeat those junior college numbers, but maybe not get up to the standards that you were holding for yourself? Yeah, no, um, you know, I, I got I got a lot better in extended spring training um, before I made that that brief appearance in, in the Appy League. Um, I felt like I had a pretty good spring training. Um, I, at the time, I actually felt like I should have been in Beloit to start the season. Um, when you couple in, like, my defense um, and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, no, I just made sure I was going to go get better um, in extended spring training. I got so much better. I lost a little bit of weight. Um, and, yeah, no, I was, like I said, I was I, – I knew what was going to happen. I knew what happened in the Appy League. It, it was – it was about a month stretch all through – all through May that I'm like, yeah, no, you're, you 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 are right where you need to be. Um, and so, yeah, no, I went to Abbey league and tore it up. Um, I just didn't, yeah, no, I, I going to Beloit. I wouldn't necessarily even Beloit and Kane County. I wouldn't necessarily play in every day. Um, when I was in the Midwest league, um, and then the, you know, obviously after the trade getting, you know, trying to just fit in with new guys. Um, I just felt like I wasn't necessarily myself. Um, but yeah, no, there were there were some good players in that league that year. So, uh, but it wouldn't it wasn't a huge jump competition wise um, by by any stretch. What does a trade do to you that early in your career? Kind of like the same thing with injuries. You got you got hurt before most guys get hurt. And dealing with that, you learn that baseball is a business a lot sooner than a lot of guys who get into pro ball learn that that baseball is a business. Getting swapped for uh, for Orlando Cabrera, Twins legend. <laughs> yeah, no. Um... I mean, it, it's weird uh, because you you develop the relationships, you know the names of everybody on your team, like you you know what I mean. That there's there's relationships that when you're around guys um, for even like a month, two months, um, let alone three, four, five, some of them the year before. It was it was a little bit weird, um, but you got to think at the time, like I'm a 21 year old in low A, so it's like it's kind of an honor, honestly. Um, so I, I was you know I, I was excited um to to just feel like a team you know was thought thought that highly of me um but yeah no I mean it was at the time you know you're like hey the A's are the only team that wear white cleats so that was cool too so no but no they I had known a couple guys um there was actually someone that went to San Jack um that was on the team in Kane County uh another dude from Chicago who I, who I played against in high school was on the team in Kane County so just by kind of luck, there were actually multiple dudes that I like kind of knew and knew at least halfway decently. Um, so that on that played a big factor in just kind of getting over there and being able to fit in a little bit. But yeah, no, it's weird. Like, you know what I mean? Um, it is weird. And then on top of that, like a week after I get traded, I'm on Kane County and we go play a home and home against Beloit. We played them eight straight times. I'm like, this is like a spring training game. Like I was just literally like out here. And now I have to play them for like a week and a half straight. It was it was, yeah, something else. That's for sure. Well, I want to come back to what we touched on. What you mentioned earlier that the differences in where you're playing and in the, in the how much does the the city matter? Because you guys in the minor leagues are kind of like hired guns. It's not like the big leagues. You know, you sign a let's say you sign a long term deal in Oakland or wherever, and you get a house there, you live there, or whatever. Big leagues, you're kind of you know you're you're there for a little bit. It's even less familiar than college. Like you're you know you're staying in an apartment. You're around, you're mostly at the field, things like that. How much does where you play matter? Now, you get to play three years in Midland, which is kind of close to where you went to college. But how much does the the city itself impact 
how you feel, how much fun you're having at your job. Any like, does it matter that much or is it just need a ballpark, need a uniform? Yeah, no, I think, I think a nice stadium um, plays a big factor. Um, the state, the city, it, it's kind of a deal where, you know, traffic getting around um, just the, yeah, I think we used to have to pay for, you know, our apartment. So the, the market, um, just renting apartments and stuff like that, trying to put that together, um, played, played a massive factor um, with, with just how enjoyable it was. But yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, it, it was, it was kind of a deal where going from Beloit to Kane County um, and then just food, food that's open later when you don't feel like eating, you know, stuff that's at the, at the field. Um, and you gotta think, once I once I went to Kane County, I was able to just live, you know, live back in my mom's house um, for that last month of the season. So um, I felt like it finished up better than it started in Beloit um, in the Midwest League. So uh, I like to think that that kind of played, you know, obviously had a positive effect on it, too. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. You do mostly, you do, do mainly three years in AA Midland. For the, for the most part, you, you spend those the next three seasons after you, you have a good, good year in the Cal League and then the next three years in AA Midland. Kind of a tougher go in that first year, slowly getting better, slowly getting better. In that time, you kind of realize you're not on the fast track. You know, you're not the guy who's going to be in the big leagues at 22, trying to figure out what is going to, what's going to take you to Sacramento and then what's going to take you to Oakland. What are what are you working on over the course of that? We kind of think of you know big leaguers or professional baseball players as the best of the best. What adjustments do you try to make to say I need this to get to get me here? Like where are you taking your game and what are you working on day in and day out during those three years to try to get out of Midland? Yeah, no, I mean, man, it was just kind of a deal where without trying to emulate anybody else. Um, whether they be in AAA or the big leagues, like I realized that I could potentially get up, um, get, get, or at least be looked at as a potential big leaguer. If I just kind of made sure that I was putting the bat on the ball, um, I wasn't hitting the ball in the air. I was getting my foot down early. Um, so strike zone discipline was pretty good. Um, even against some pretty good arms, but I just, I wasn't hitting the ball in the air and I wasn't hitting many homers, but yeah, I think there were Cliff Pennington, some of the dudes that were in the big leagues at the time with the A's, like, they, they weren't hitting homers. So it was like, all right, that's all right. Like hit, hit some hard line drives, hit a double here or there. Um, try not to strike out and, and you know, be, be a tough at bat field. Obviously I could bunt and little things like that. And this is also coupling, you know, my defense, which at that point, by the time I got to double A, um, it, it was, it was kind of a deal where I, I'd set myself apart, you know, defensively, especially at second. Um, it, and so, I was just kind of building off, you know, just the resume that my deep, that my glove had kind of put out there um, and just kind of saying, hey, just do enough at the plate to give yourself a chance. I mean, that you got to think I get the double A and I'm this is right when like the Cardinals have like Joe Kelly, Shelby Miller, Carlos Martinez. Um, I mean, we played we went to Little Rock. I mean, you're talking about like Matt Schumacher, uh, Garrett Richards, Trevor Reckling, a dude that just pitching a futures game. I mean, it, it was 
the crop of pitchers in that in that league when I first got there, I'll tell you what I'm like, if this is double A pitching, like I got no shot the big leagues. Like I swear there is a month where that is the absolute thought process. Like it, this cannot be like how double A pitching should be. Like it should not be this jump. And I, I you know, looking back, it would have been easy to just sell yourself. Yeah, no, you ran into a tough stretch right there. That's all. And so, but yeah, no, honestly, there I felt overmatched at times my first year in double-A. Um, so it was just kind of the over, yeah, get the bat on the ball um, and try and just get in positive counts where you can kind of push the contact point out. But, yeah, no, there weren't – there were not a lot of aggressive swings, um, really, when I was in Midland at all, even until, like, my, my – probably my third year there. Um, wouldn't have been – I think I hit nine homers. Um, it, it was just, foot, like I said, foot down early, try and get level, stay level. Um, and you got to think the wind in Midland too, like you can't hit the ball in the air there as a right-handed hitter. Like if you're in Corpus Christi with like the Astros, these dudes have been practicing how to hit the ball in the Crawford boxes since they've been in double a, like the, the wind in Midland though, like it, it's a deal where it changes. So it's like, you're, you're actually like not aiming the ball or trying to, but you're like, all right, like I cannot miss that way. Cause it's like, that is never going to work. And so. No, there, there were just a lot of factors that obviously I dealt with in a junior college, but just, yeah, no, presented serious challenges that not a lot of hitters on other teams could really relate to. Other serious challenge in the Texas League, and I like talking about this, is the, the bus rides in the Texas League are like, like, no, like no other. What is, what's the Tyler Ladendorf guide? What, what's, what's surviving the bus in the Texas League? What are your go-tos? Uh, I mean, at the time... I mean, you're just like, you, you got every game on the iPad. Like, te- you're playing everything from, like, Tetris to, like, I mean, like, words with friends. I mean, you you are you are scratching to, to just pass the time, clawing. And so it, it's kind of a deal where, I'll tell you what, Midland has the worst travel in minor leagues. Because obviously, AAA, you're flying. But Midland, to go to Frisco, who's in division, you're, like, six hours. So no, mm-hmm. no overnights. So these, these are all like back-to-backs, whether we're going there or coming home. And then you go into San Antonio, which is eight, seven and a half. And then to go down to Corpus Christi, you're talking about nine, nine and a half hours. Um, and like like I said, the days off, because they're in division, like that's what created just days that no other minor league team could could relate to. And so, no, it, it's wearing to go play in Midland. It is It is physically and mentally draining for sure. What are you doing on a day off on a in a, like an away town or even even just in general throughout the minor leagues? Like, what do you get to do during a day off? I mean, hopefully, I mean, hopefully, go just go sit by the pool. A lot, of, I mean, a lot of guys at that point, if you haven't had one in a while, like you're just like, man, look at these tan lines. Like, but no, it's <laughs> feel where yeah, no, you're just trying to go be cool, um, relax, get get off your feet. Um, yeah, no, and, and and eat at normal times too. I feel like the baseball schedule, like the the portions of meals are like because of like when your day starts, when the first one it finishes. So like, be able to get a good lunch at like a normal hour, and then get a good dinner like at a normal hour, um, without trying to seem like I'm complaining. Like it, it is that 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 is actually like a, a very rewarding just kind of day, so to say. Well, with that, I mean, you're, you're trying to be an athlete at the, the peak of your profession. What, what is your meal schedule like typically on a baseball day, like compared to how a normal person eats? Like what, what does your diet look like in just a, a normal game day? Um, I would say, 
I mean, you're trying to, because I don't like, I, 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 I don't operate well. I'm like a full stomach. So, I mean, you're talking about something small before you get to the field. Um, and then, so noonish, uh, try and get something small. And then you really, I'm, I'm not really eating until like five, five, you know, after BP, whether you're home or road. Um, and so, but because of like the time crunch sometimes, like in, you know, just operating leading up to the game, it's your, your, your first big meal isn't until, you know, 10 o'clock, 1030, uh, in all seriousness, it, it, and every, every, like I said, everybody's different. So, you know, I mean, I'm not speaking on, on behalf of everybody, but yeah, as someone that didn't want to be out there moving around on, on a full stomach, it was, it was definitely smaller portions, um, just throughout the day. So, yeah, no, it's like I said, just being able to be full at any one point other than like 10 or 1030. Um, like that, that was, you know, it's yeah. Rewarding. So to say, I'm sure. Um, okay. So you finally make it out of Midland first in first long-term stint in AAA. You had a couple call-ups, but first long-term stint in AAA in, um, in 2014, the things are going pretty well. You're, you know, career highs in most offensive categories, things like that. When did you get the news that you would be uh, suspended, suspended 50 games for, for a positive marijuana test? It probably would have been the beginning, probably about middle of May um, is yeah. No, cause it was, uh, yeah, it was, it would have been a test back in spring training. Um, so the test would have been, yeah, probably back in the beginning of March. Um and found out, yeah, the middle of May, and then started serving a suspension in the beginning of June. Forget the missed playing time. What does it do to your mental state? Like, not only organization pissed, whatever that is, this is in the social media era, that flies over. It just it just gets qualified as drug of abuse. It doesn't, you don't, you don't get any details. Could be any number of things if you're a fan reading that on Twitter. Like, what does that do to you for that 50-game stretch? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it was just kind of a deal where it was embarrassing in a sense of like, you, like there's just, there, you have to follow the rules. Um, you know, obviously the rules are different now. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it, it was embarrassing just because, you know, obviously for, for your parents, you know, um, your lights, you know, <laughs> we all share the last name. So um, yeah, no, it was, uh, but it was just something that I, like I said, it, it, there's a lot of guys that that probably would have like really potentially like pushed over the edge in the sense of like that you might not play anymore. Um, but I felt like just with the work that I was, you know, putting in while I was suspended, um, I was going up to the field in Sacramento. Um, and I think just, and at that point you're, you're hoping that just from the trade in 09 up until that point, that, that the work that, you know, the, the body of work that I'd kind of laid out, the resume I'd built, you know, was going to outweigh just, you know, a, a bad decision or two. And so, um, yeah, no, it was, I didn't really feel what a whole lot of ill will from the A's. And I think that actually really helped um, with just helping me move past it. Um, I felt like they, they just kind of saw the scenario and you're like, all right, it is what it is at this point. Um, just be ready when you come back. Um, and, it, you know, it, it was a deal where I think that undoubtedly played a huge factor. And, yeah, just being able to, for all of us to kind of quickly move past it. They 
they go ahead and add you on the 40 man that off season. So you get to spring training 2014, you're on the four, or 2015, you're on the 40 man for the first time. Do you, even at that point, do you still, do you feel like you're fighting for a big league job? Like, is it different? Does that feel different? That spring training than the others? Yeah, no, I mean that whole winter. Um, and I, there's not many that actually know this, but I, that spring training, I show up and there's a, a Jersey with the number 22 on it. Um, they, the A's had actually planned to call me up had I not hurt my hamstring um, in, at the end uh, of the season in 14. Um, I, w- I would have actually been called up. They, it was, I kind of thought so just because after the suspension, I'd come back and done well. Uh, but my body So was- you found that out in spring training or you knew that in September while you were hurt? Spring training. Um, it was, uh, yeah. So, no, I mean, it was kind of a deal where I, it was – Hey, this, this already should have happened. Like you should already be a big leaguer. So like that almost helped me like relax as far as like, Hey, like just go remind them why you were like, you should have been in the big league in September. And, and so, um, yeah, no, it's, you know, uh, otherwise I, I don't think in 62 at bats, 60 or 62 at bats in that spring training, I don't even, I think I hit like 330, 340. I mean, you, that's, that's not a goal. There, there was no goal to hit. <laughs> it was, Hey, like, be the toughest out in big league camp all year. Like that, that was really the only goal, you know, try and hit as many balls hard as you can and be the toughest out. And yeah, no, I went up there and obviously put up some numbers that I couldn't even have predicted to. Um, so yeah, you couple the fact that, yeah, I, they, they had already kind of planned on calling me up um, with the spring I'd had. Uh, yeah, no, I felt like it was finally, it had finally all kind of come to fruition. Um, you know, obviously running out there, hearing your name called on opening day, uh, have my mom and grandma out there. Um, yeah, no, that's, it, it was, there was, there, it was kind of leading up to that. So it wasn't a huge surprise based on just the sequence of events. Um, to, yeah, be, be able to make the opening day roster in 15. What does making it to the big leagues do for you financially, just for the remainder of your career? Like, does it change how you could live in the off season or, or things about your life or, uh, contracts down the road when you're, you know, when you're jumping from different organizations. Yeah, no, it, it does. Um, yeah, with, without a doubt. What, 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 what the idea of not having to necessarily work a job in the off season um, and just be able to really focus on your body and work out and, and, and just get, get everything right um, for the season. Um, it, it's, it is, it's hard to put a price tag on that. Um, but yeah, no, it was uh I mean, at the time, you know, at the time after I make my debut, you know, that's when my grandma was diagnosed with cancer. So um, I was actually trying to help pay for just uh, just like some in-home care and stuff like that. Um, it wasn't necessarily looking too, too bright. And so, you know, I just wanted to be obviously I couldn't be there with her. So I was trying to help out, you know, which is making sure that she was taken care of. Um, and so obviously, you know, she, she's, you know, fought, fought through it. Uh, she's tough. And so, um, still with us now. So it's, uh, hey, shout out grandma yeah. oh, <laughs> for sure. Um, I used to tell her, I used to tell my friends are like, what, like, where, where's your dad? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm not sure. I'm like, but my grandma's here and she's basically like my dad. And so I, I honestly used to describe her as that. And so, uh, yeah, no. Um, so, but yeah, it was just kind of a deal where no, without a doubt, obviously helping the people, you know, that helped you get there um, just in little ways so that they can kind of just enjoy life a little bit more than, you know, they probably had, you know, in the past. So 
it's uh yeah no you just you 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 try and enjoy it but you know help the people around you um just being able to you know be a part of it how clearly do you remember your first knock oh night never forget never forget it ever walk me through it oh so we go out there the first two nights and we put it on texas you gotta think texas is like this is like they just coming off you know back-to-back world series um and so it was just kind of a deal where hey like let's just go out there you know we kind of got thrown together that group um i mean some really good leaders some good baseball players um some role players um i mean you got everybody from like coco chris um and we had ike davis on that team we had sam fold uh it, you know, so, but yeah, it was kind of a deal where platooning didn't play the first two nights um, and it was the first lefty and it was just kind of a deal where it's like, hey, like, if we don't do well tonight, like, people are going to question some of the young bats like Mark Hanna. They're going to question me and Mark Hanna. Like, that, we were the two rookies that everyone was like, hey, if they can handle their own against left-handed pitching, we'll be all right. And so there was not so much a lot of pressure um, as so much, just a lot of expectation to just go out there and, and hopefully do well. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I don't know if I ever felt more locked in, you know, honestly, I think it was like a seven or eight, I forget how many foul balls I had, but, um, I just knew that ultimately what pitches, what pitches I knew he was going to throw at that point, um, and how he was going to try and get me out, you know, at that point, the scouting report on me, like, wasn't a secret. So I wasn't going to change. You know what I mean? I was just going to make sure I could follow up the pitches I couldn't hit, so to say. Um, and he finally put one out over the plate. And, yeah, no, just – it was probably, like, the fourth or fifth cutter I'd seen. And I think I followed one off my shin, followed one, like, through my legs, hit, like, more choppers on the line. And finally, he left the cutter out over the plate. Um, but, yeah, no, you remember, like, it was yesterday, honestly. It's – uh, you go numb. You know what I mean? It's – uh. It's stuff that, like I said, you you only, you only dream of. I mean, I get to third base. Um, I do like a little clap. I'm pretty. There's just the emotion. Um, and and, it, and while it's all happening, uh, I have Prince Fielder yelling, yelling, yelling at me because it's a triple. So, like, he's like the cut from, I think, Elvis Andrews. Um, and he's standing right by the pitcher's mound. And he's like, he's like, hey, hey. Say, hey, throws me the ball. And that's like in the video, you see me catch a ball and I'm like, like, thank like Ed Prince Fielder, you know, throw me the ball on my first big league hit. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I don't know that I've ever seen that any player throw it to the actual player. Like, normally, obviously, it goes to the dugout, but to have someone that, you know, I'd watched for years, you know, throw me my first, my first big league hit. Like, that's, that's the, like I said, that's the kind of stuff that you don't, you don't even dream of, honestly. Yeah, it's a cool video. It's still on, uh, it's on YouTube. Um, you're with the A's for nine games and you play five defensive spots. What's the comfort level when you're thrown into left field or thrown into center field or whatever? You talked about your defense at second base. When you're going all over the place, does that just comfort carry no matter the spot? Yeah, because I, I, I learned how to prepare. Being um, being able to watch Ben Zobrist um, and a dude that was was pretty good at regardless of what position he started at, I would just watch like, all right, go, go turn like four or five double plays from second, like a couple from third because – yeah, you're practicing at the position you're going to play at that day, but knowing that you're going to be the guy that's kind of the jigsaw piece moving around, um, it's like, it's, 
we 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 kind of termed it like like winning play. So like if I'm starting at third, like the idea that I'm going to go turn a few double plays at short, turn a few double plays at second, make it maybe a few backhands at second, and then just chat. And then even in the outfield, like that's not so much an issue as just like going out there and standing. Like you don't necessarily even need to run around as so much just be out there and just see balls, you know, go up, um, hear sounds, you know what I mean? Just just correlating everything. Um, and so, yeah, no, it was, uh, I think, being fortunate to be around some some good utility guys and, and obviously particularly Zobris um, right away, you know. Um, yeah, no, it's tough to put a price tag on that because, no, I think it late in games with, with the defensive substitution and stuff that I was put into, I think it, it was just looking back at some of the plays I was able to make coming off the bench in, in big situations. I don't think that happens without being able to watch a guy like Ben Zobris. On that note, 2015, you deal with injuries for a lot of that year. You don't play a lot of games. 2016, you're up with the A's for for 44 games. the The line, your big league line, tells an interesting story. You you hit 083, obviously not what you'd want to do, but you only get 50 plate appearances in 44 games. You're you know if you're starting, you get 50 plate appearances in like 12 games, something like that. If you're trying to hang out, you're trying to hang in the big leagues getting essentially one late inning AB. Now you're the, you're the defensive guy you can plug in. It's important to make those plays. What does it do to your mental state at the plate where you're like, this is, I get, I get one a game. If, if I get in, I've got to make this one count. Like how, how does that change what you're up there doing as a hitter versus you're in triple A playing every day? Yeah, no, it's tough. Um, it is tough. It's, uh, because you got to think they would have been really the first time that I wasn't that I was kind of going through just the the time off um, and and the couple it in with it happening in the big leagues. And like, so it's the time off and now facing just elite arm after elite arm after elite arm. Uh, yeah, no, you, the, the late in substitution, some of the bats I was forced to have in late in games, you know, back end arms. It's I was just trying to be realistic and I, you know, Coco, Chris, Yonder, Alonzo, different guys were like, hey, man, like. You know, Josh Reddick took me under his wing. There were there were a lot of guys that helped me just make sure that I was realistic with the situation I was out. This is some of the situations I was being put in, like coming off the bench, whatever lead gets blown. It's like now you're facing righty righty. It's like and you have this is your, you know, your first at bat coming off the bench, you know. Uh, and so they're having some of the conversations with, with certain guys um, played was instrumental. Uh, but, yeah, no, it was. For me, it was fun though. Honestly, it was there. Were, there was a stretch in June of sixteen that I, I I started two games like the whole month, and it was against Urban Santana, who was like eleven and one at the time, went to the All Star game that year, and the other one was against uh, Lance McCullers, who at the time had the best curveball in the big leagues. Like that was right when he's like, yeah, no, my curveball is the best, and it, 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 it and was, he's throwing it constantly. Yeah, and so and and it's funny, it's. Like I said, a lot of guys would be like, well, man, like these are the two starts I get like all month. But it was like I I, I kind of knew it was like, hey, like you might have to have some tough starts to help some of these starters. Like, you know what I mean? And and, and so honestly, I, I, I didn't mind it because like you, you go to the big leagues and you want to do well, but you also go to the big leagues to face like the best players like that. If you're not trying to embrace that level of competition, then like you, you, you should just be in a men's league on Sunday and you can go hit 800 in that. Like, if you're not trying to embrace that level of competition, whether you're succeeding or not, then then you got to the big leagues for the wrong reasons, honestly, is what I would tell anyone. And 
so yeah, no, even just being in some of the tough at bats, like coming off the, we went to Fenway Park and off the bench in blowout games, faced Craig Kimbrell and Brandon Barnes. And I good at bat against Kimbrell, ended up striking out. But Barnes, like with that curveball, I'm like, I'm like, dude, like, but for me, like, that's fun. Like, I got to face Craig Kimbrell at Fenway. Like, that's not something a lot of people can say. And so it's little things like that, that really just, yeah. You know, you couple that in with conversations with a lot of dudes that have been there and done it for a long time. It was like, no, there was there was no panic. I felt like at that time, you know, you got Ron Washington in there. I'm out there with early work, you know, at two o'clock every day, you know, doing glove drills and stuff. So, like I said, it brought up earlier, you know, before the suspension, I had hoped that the preparation, what I was doing to just be prepared, I think at that point was speaking for itself. Because you're right, my numbers at the time would not have indicated a dude that should have been in the big leagues for as long as I was. So I think, yeah, it, it was easy for everybody to just see what I was having to, you know, the challenges I was facing, coupled in with just, you know, just the work I was putting in. It was like, hey, no, it, I, I, I'd like to think it was an easy decision for them to keep me there, even though, yeah, like I said, the numbers would not have necessarily indicated that. Can you walk me through early work with Ron Washington? Because like every, you know, every now and then during baseball season, there will be a video popping up of him doing fungos before the game with Ozzy Albies or having someone do some sort of drill. Like what? I mean, the man is a wizard. Like what? Is, that's got to Is that surreal doing that? I, I tell a lot of people, you know, um, the highlight of my day what was it was at two o'clock, two thirty when when there's nobody out there and you're in any one big league ballpark we're, we're doing early work with Ron Washington. That, that was the highlight of my day. And this, obviously I didn't play a lot. So you can imagine like that was actually the highlight of my day. Um, so no, it was uh, just seeing a dude that was just out, always wanted to be out there available, ready to go. Um, and was just never trying to overload you at work, but was going to make sure that every day we got at least a little bit better. And whatever, in any one facet. Um, and so, no, I think, like I said, his resume speaks for itself with the defenders that he's worked um, worked with and the success that they've had. Um, yeah, no, because you're talking someone that was had already been kind of tabbed well above average defensively. Um, and I feel like he took my, my defensive skill set um, to, to, to a level that I didn't even actually think was, was potentially capable, honestly. Um, just the way, the way he works, the, the, it's no different than hitting, honestly, the way, the way he wants it to, to just kind of be, be worded and preached. It's just kind of margin for error and, and practicing what, what you're going to get during the games, um, and just isolating the hands. And so, no, it was, uh, man, I, I brought up Fenway the other day. There was a time in 16, we're, we're at Fenway and, uh, like the sides, there's not a lot of grass on the sides. And so they have a massive um, screen for like the ball boys to shag because the screen, like they don't want anybody obviously to get hit, you know, as balls are getting thrown in uh, by the bucket. And he, I forget who he asked. He's like, hey, can we just go out there? And so we're, me and him are in the grass with, and he always bring a towel, two towels, one for his knees, one for whoever he's working with knees. And his little bucket is three or four gloves. And we're out there like just in the middle of center field, just doing early work. And, and I mean, it, it's a moment like that, that you're like, all right, like this, this is, this is like why you put all that work in at whatever one, you know, junior college, whatever, whatever level, it, it's a moment like this, that is honestly better than, you know, hitting a homer or whatever, you know, cause it, it's, there's a lot more people that, you know, 
if it homers, then being able to do some of the things I've been able to do with, with, with really good people. And that's, that's what I'll always cherish. There's that line in the movie fever pitch when she runs on the field at the end to, to go talk to him. And he's like the grass, she runs on the field at Fenway. He's like, the grass, is it spongy? Like the grass in Fenway, is it just, is it like, is it heaven? Yeah, no, it's in Northern grass. It's different in, in, in different ballparks, but come from a dude that grew up in with, with grass, with grass like that. Now it's, it's as good as he gets. That's for sure. So after that 2016 season, you get outrighted off the roster, you know, uh, you, you start doing kind of the the veteran, hopping to AAA, finding opportunities at organization, trying to find your way back to the big leagues. 2019, you make the move to Indy Ball, you catch on with High Point. Initially, how did you approach heading to Indy Ball? Was it, was it a bummer? Was it something you were excited about? Because it is, it's, it's farther away from the big leagues, but it's a different style of baseball in that the, you're playing to win. Yeah, no, it was um, because you just you see the names that had played there um, in the league and you saw the way guys were getting picked up. Um, and then you couple that in with in 17, I would have been in Charlotte. Um, that's when we kind of put roots here down with the with the kids. Um, and so that honestly, when I was going to go play in High Point, it wasn't that big of a bummer because I'm like, hey, like at least like you're 45 minutes from the house and you'll be able to be around the kids like, you know, during the day and stuff while you're at home before you head up to like, there were so many just little benefits that in years, in years prior, like I wasn't. And a lot of it was, yeah, being able to be, you know, be around the kids. Um, and, and so good, good, good people down there at high point. Um, also, you know, Jamie Key, Frank Viola, um, a lot, lot, of, lot of good people. That, Twins that are, legend Frank Viola, man, the best. No, a lot of good people there. So no, it, it was, it, it was not the bummer that a lot would ha- have thought, especially because I was like, no, like the plan is to not be here by like the All Star break. Um, that that was that was the plan. Just kind of come here, take care of business, have fun, and a little bit more of a relaxed setting, which I hadn't experienced in a while. Um, Technically, so yeah. you weren't there at the All Star break. You went to the All Star game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished in a way. Uh, it was. It was. Um, is yeah, the no. on-field different than than AAA? Like, how how do you view? Because again, yeah. uh, with the Atlantic yeah. League, it's you're trying to win a title. Yeah. No. It's um. So competition, I'd say, you have everybody there knows is at least going to know how to pitch. Um, the velocity of arms is not what you'd see in like AAA, um, even like AA. The the velocity. But then again, these last few years, it, it's it's actually gotten better. Obviously, the way free agency going and stuff. But um, yeah, no, it, it's it's so different. Um, you're gonna hit both ends of the spectrum. You might do it in back to back nights. So like, you'll have a knuckleball, and then a dude throwing like 97. So it's like it's 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 a very. And then you got you know ballparks, um, you know shadows. I mean, there's a ballpark that's got a scoreboard that's out there in center field. Like, I mean, it, it's there's there's challenges but um i think yeah no the competition it's like i think because of the the way it had, had been going in that league it wasn't it wasn't very deterring in a in a sense um just because like yeah no it's like hey just kind of come here and take care of business and and you gotta think like for other people it's a little bit different but like with my defensive resume it's like i'm in a different boat because there's a lot of different positions that anyone dude on anyone organiz- with any one organization you know something happens it's like i could be getting a call so yeah no it was uh it was just kind of just kind of come here enjoy being around the kids and and, and play baseball you know with that the 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 goal with indie ball a lot of times get picked back up you get picked back up by the cubs in 2021 spend some time in iowa 
you get that that final call up to Chicago. It's kind of a, I mean, it, yeah. it's a cool, you know, it, it's a cool line at the end. One game, one at bat. What is what is that game? What is just getting back after five years? What did that? Do, how was it different, really? Um, I mean, it, in, in so many ways, it was because I'll tell you what, and you got to think it. it the way 21 started out, you know, I'm volunteer assistant coaching at Marshall in West Virginia. Um, actually thinking that in the way it started to go well, it was like, I'm, I, I went into that summer thinking, Hey, you're going to go play in high point in North Carolina for like two months and then hopefully get put on staff and you'll, you'll be done. And so, um, yeah, I know to go to high point for one day and then be in Iowa, you know, the, the season at Marshall ended on a Sunday and I was in triple a, in Iowa on that following Saturday. So it was literally a six day turnaround from like throwing batting practice to like potentially having to face 98. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, no. And, and then to be with the Cubs, um, I had known a few guys on the team um, just from here and there. Uh, so it was easy to kind of get in there and fit in. Um, and it was the first time I was really around guys that were younger than me. So uh and significantly, it's a young organization. And so just kind of having different conversations, feeling kind of like guys were just kind of gravitating towards me, you know, which is any one conversation. Um, you got to think I, I, I'm not even doing well, you know, at the time. And so it, uh, it wasn't until the end that I started to kind of do well before they call me up. But um, yeah, no, just feeling like guys wanted to hear what I had to say. And like I said, it was the first eight time I was really in that dynamic age wise. Um, so no, it was in had it, it was a little bit more enjoyable. A lot of like older guys would be like, no, like I'm not that old or this or that, or like not take guys under their wing or anything. Um, but no, it was, it was fun for me. And I, I felt like clearly it was, you know, recognized by the coaching staff there in Iowa um, and the organization. So it was, uh, it was, it was fun to be around good people. Um, you know, and I, I think that helped me, you know, get acclimated quick and obviously, you know, start to do well before they had, uh, call me up but yeah no thinking that it was never going to happen again um yeah i mean to do it with the cubs um the first i'm the first player to ever wear number 84 for like there, there's so many things about it that it's just like like as a kid growing up you know 30 minutes from wrigley field like you you don't like i said you don't dream of that stuff like it's it, it's surreal for sure well you're going to continue to wear 84 for them uh you know in this role with that, kind of you, you, you know, you've hang, you played in 2022. You're hanging it up now, going into this new new role with coaching. Since you, you got the college experience, is it just down the road? Is professionally the route you want to stay in, or do you ever see yourself returning to college baseball? I could see myself. You know what I mean, especially depending on what you know the kids want to pursue um, and whatnot. Um, it, I think there there will come a day where just based on like the professional schedule. Um, and whatnot, uh, if that's something that will will hinder me. Um, but no, I want to I want to make sure I keep you know my options open. I, I enjoyed the college. I enjoyed coaching in college. I enjoyed that age group. Um, it, it, and it's it, it's it's a deal where I think not so much because everybody thinks like regardless of the age, um, whether they're fourteen or fifteen or twenty five or twenty six, that like you're a big leaguer, but like, are oh, you just better than everybody else? I think the way I had to go about it to get to the big leagues um, just makes me very relatable um, and allows me to relate with, with, with just, with just about everybody. Um, I, I do. It, it was the relationship that I felt like I was able to develop even at Marshall um, so quickly. 
it's uh, I haven't found a part of coaching that I, I like more than the other. So it's like, like I said, obviously I'm about to, you know, dip my toes in the pro ranks, but um, yeah, no, it's uh, the stuff that the Cubs are doing. Um, I, I, I want to be a part of. And, and so it's uh, it was in, it was just way too good of an opportunity to pass up. Um, and, and so, yeah, no, but to, to say that I'll never go back to college, I, I wouldn't be able to say that. If you could go back and give yourself a pep talk at 20, right after signing with the Twins, what would that pep talk look like? Oh, that's a good question. Um, probably it, it'd have to, you know, it'd have to start with prepare to be ready to play in the big leagues as soon as you can. You know, to kind of sum it up, like I said, I brought up that I was kind of looking at dudes that were a level or two ahead of me when I was like rookie ball, low A, instead of like, hey, what are our big leaguers doing? You know what I mean? And so I think without getting too far ahead of yourself, um, it would it would just kind of be like, hey, get ready to to feel like you're, you have, whether it's time and space to, to take a good swing on a 98-mile-hour fastball from any one big leaguer or be able to handle any one hop from any one hitter that's, you know, spin something at you hard. Um, I think it, it would it would it would have changed just it would have never been about the level you're at as so much the the expectations, you know, from two o'clock to six thirty. Forget what happened to seven, you know, from seven o'clock to ten o'clock. It, it would I think it would have changed just how I would have gone about my business, you know, just preparation wise. Quick rapid fire for you, then I'll let you get out of here. Yeah. I ha- I have an idea of what this is gonna be, but favorite minor league ballpark? Charlotte. And that's exactly what I thought it was going to be, considering where you live and then considering the view from that ballpark. Yep, without a doubt. Uh, best pitcher you ever faced? A Aroldis, for sure. Oof. Couldn't couldn't pay me to do that. Uh, <laughs> best Charlotte food spot? If you're late, you go Midnight Diner. Yeah, I'd say Midnight Diner. Best Chicago food spot? We're going Pizza Gino's East. Otherwise, I mean, I could always go with the Portillo's hot dog. Italian okay. beef. Last question. Everyone gets this. Do you have a nightmare bus ride story from the minor leagues? You know what? I, the bus, I have never been on a bus that had necessarily broken down. Um, no, no, I, I don't. Other than just the trip from Midland to Corpus Christi, we talked about that, um, having to switch bus drivers, but I do, I, I don't have any crazy, crazy bus stories. Other than my rookie year, Coco Chris always making me get up to the bus in the front of the bus and sing. Every time, every day, every every road trip. <laughs> what's what's your song of choice? Did he pick that for you, or did you have to pick something? They picked it sometimes. Sometimes they had to pick it. I I was just trying to go like with with songs that like I knew. So like I w- I wouldn't I would drop like a Jackson Five song in there, like just because I knew <laughs> you know what I mean easy to sing along to, like <laughs> shorter as well. <laughs> Whatever works, Tyler. That is all I've got for you. Thank you so much for joining from Phenom to the Farm. Awesome. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. You got it.